Welcome to the WIDA Connect podcast series, where we will explore all the hot topics affecting the equipment dealer industry. From industry news, government affairs, and manufacturer relations, to business best practices, technology, and marketing for equipment dealers, brought to you by the Western Equipment Dealers Association, here to advocate, elevate, and educate. And now, let's connect. Hello again, everyone. This is Mike Kramer, Western Equipment Dealers Association. In our previous two podcasts, Association CEO John Schmeiser discussed the recent WIDA survey about the state of workforce development. And John's back with me today, and we'll look at some more key findings in that survey. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me once again. Good. Let's uh, kind of back up a little bit, John, and if you would, please provide some details of the questions that we're asking the survey and how the results were broken out. You bet. So we asked, you know, dealers 10 specific questions on the survey. And in each case, we asked them to provide comments that would allow us to drill deeper down into the issue. So we were pleasantly surprised at how many comments we received, close to 200 in total. And as you can imagine, the, the comments really helped us get to the pain points and the challenges in every aspect of workforce development. The responses came from 40, uh, I'm sorry, 63 ownership groups representing 549 locations. Uh, dealers across North America were invited to participate, and the average number of locations from each participant was just under nine. Uh, four locations were the most frequent number of responses, and in total, 42% of the responses came from dealers with four locations or less. were from five to nine locations, 18% of the survey respondents had 10 to 14 locations, and 25% had more than 15 locations. Uh, Interestingly enough, the 16 responses that we received from those with 15 or more locations accounted for roughly half of the total number of locations represented in the survey. While While the half of the uh, the total number of locations of the survey, while the 27 responses we received from those with four or less locations accounted for only 69 locations, about 12% in total. Hopefully that you know makes a little bit of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, regarding the breakout by line, we had the following responses. Uh, John Deere at 38%, Case IH dealers at 24%, Kubota at 16%, New Holland at 11%, and Echo at 8%. And the questions themselves, Mike, you know, we asked them about both their short and their long-term needs, whether or not they had the bench strength in place, what skill development was needed with their key staff, effective recruitment approaches, the most effective training approach, and how much they spent on training on an annual basis. All right. Now, before we continue, I just want to remind everybody again that the survey results are published and these previous podcasts, uh, the previous two podcasts that John and I have done, they are available at equipmentdealermagazine.com. That's equipmentdealermagazine, one word, dot com. And you can see the article, the survey, you can listen to the podcast and such like that. So, John, moving along, uh, you indicated in the last podcast some pain points dealers are experiencing. What were some of the key questions in this area? Well, when we look at, at pain, I 
we tried to equate it what what their biggest need was or or the biggest shortcoming that they had in the dealership. So we asked the survey respondents to rate from one to three their highest need of skill development for their staff. We gave them three options, leadership skills, operational best practices, and understanding financials. And pretty much right across the board, dealers chose them on a one-two basis in that order. But what was surprising is how strong the demand for leadership training is needed in the industry. Close to 80% of dealers shared that this was their number one need. There was an interesting breakout by line on this question as well, with some you know variations between line on 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 needs two and three. But for the most part, dealers strongly feel that they really need leadership skill development and operational best practices to move their business forward. We also asked about the training resources available, and over half indicated that they feel that there are adequate resources out there for them. But only 20% said that they were doing enough or using these services out there. And there was also concern out there as to whether the training was effective. And managers, you know, would they be implementing what they have learned? So the more we read through the comments, it became clear that implementation of new approaches and strategies is a large concern. Where the training was coming from, was also referenced in the responses. And to our surprise, manufacturer-sponsored training rated lower than we anticipated. Now, you mentioned dealers are seeing less value in manufacturer-sponsored training. Can you go into that a little more? Yeah. So dealers have stated that manufacturer-sponsored training can be good, but it typically focuses on product training for the sales personnel or technical training for our techs through the service schools that the manufacturers offer. Now, these are very necessary, but it was very clear that dealers are looking for leadership and operational expertise and that they are best to seek this training from elsewhere. And then at the same time, I think dealers do believe that manufacturer-sponsored training may have the manufacturer's best interest in the approach, where what a dealer is looking for at their training is for their dealership business needs and personnel needs. And related to this, you know, we asked if manufacturers were still a good source of dealership personnel. It's very common for us to find dealership management people who started their careers with a manufacturer and subsequently transitioned to a dealership. But surprisingly, over 50% of our responses stated that OEM staff were no longer a good source of personnel for a dealership. And the comments provided a variety of reasons for the result, you know, including that the manufacturers have their own personnel challenges. Uh, dealers find it difficult for former manufacturer employees to think like a dealer. And also that there is a hesitance of, of you know, manufacturer uh, people to move out to rural locations where a lot of dealerships are located. There are so many recruitment approaches um, that dealers can take to fill some of the gaps in their employment. Did the survey indicate what works best? Now, you mentioned manufacturer-sponsored training as a place of where they might get employees, but that's as that pool shrinks a little bit, there's got to be a different way to recruit if the manufacturer pool is is shrinking. So what works best? What, what, what do dealers tell us? Yeah, we did ask that question. So we gave dealers eight different options as to what was the most effective recruitment approach for them. And upon review, dealers only chose four of the choices that we gave them. And in order of effectiveness, uh, personal recruitment or networking was first, followed by an internal HR department, thirdly, working with a recruitment firm, 
and then last, advertising. We gave working with colleges as an option, but no one suggested it was effective, and that was surprising. We also mentioned scholarships or training cost offsets and working at career fairs, but again, these did not you know, garner a response as the most effective approach that they have to recruitment. And I think it speaks to a legacy issue. We are a relationship-based a relationship business in our dealings with customers. Networking and relationship building is key to a lot of things that account for a dealer's success. So in the end, I think when almost, you know, two-thirds of respondents share that they feel networking is their most effective approach, you know, it didn't surprise us. But we also had a lot of comments that recruitment was hard and it wasn't as easy or it wasn't working as well as it was in the past. So going forward, you know, we firmly believe that dealers are going to have to do all of these things to recruit effective people to their business. Well, let me let me throw you just a question out of the blue. It, it occurred to me as you were talking. If you were to do this survey a year from now, based on what you have learned, do you think you would see improvements? I think we would, and and um, uh, you know we're trying our best through public relations activities, uh, you know these articles, these podcasts, you know to, to raise the awareness. And we, you know, we firmly believe if dealers don't make changes, it's going to get worse. So I, I want to believe that dealers are getting the message, and you know a year from now, you know we should be better off. And at the same time, too, Mike, I think if we did this survey one year from now, we would probably ask. Uh, some additional questions, you know, starting with what uh, what challenges are they facing depending on age groups, you know, um, uh, within the dealership are millennials, you know, different mindsets than perhaps Gen X's, uh, you know, what approaches are they going to take to re- to reduce that attrition that we typically have, you know, where people are retiring. Um, so what we what we've really done, I think, is is started off a a great little initiative here, and I think it serves us well to refine the survey every year, and hopefully as we refine the survey, we give the dealers the data and information that they need to improve their recruitment practices. That'll be interesting to see what would happen if you did ask that question. Of the older generation versus the millennials, they kind of don't mix real well. It's kind of like putting a sweet pickle in a martini instead of an olive. So. Uh, we'll have to see what happens with that. It's, it's, it's all good stuff. John, this has uh, been a fascinating discussion. It does conclude our three-part podcast on the State of Workforce Development Survey. If anyone wants a copy of the survey, they can receive one comparing the industry averages to their specific brand or line. All they need to do is just contact the association office in Calgary, Alberta, or in Kansas City, Missouri, to request a copy. And more information about weed advocacy efforts, the association's advocacy efforts and training resources is available at westerneda.com, www.westerneda.com. As always, my thanks to John Schmeiser, CEO of the association, and once again, our thanks to the dealers who participated in the survey. John, thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. For John Schmeiser, I'm Mike Kramer. Thank you for listening. This has been We to Connect. If you have a question, would like to suggest future topics, or just tell us what you think about the show, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us at westerneda.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to We to Connect on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Until next time.